This episode of the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast has been brought to you by our sponsors at Sweet Cheetah Publicity. Sweet Cheetah is a PR collective that values people over profit. They put a different spin on public relations by working primarily with friends and using all profits to aid charitable organizations. With a roster that includes Jawbox, The New Amsterdam's, Brainiac, Get Some, Funeral Date, Damien Dunn, and many more artists, record labels, and podcasts. Sweet Cheetah. That's a great PR cohort. You can find them on social media by simply searching Sweet Cheetah PR, and they'll be there. He's been Tim. I've been Peter. And Sweet Cheetah has been beautiful. Welcome to another edition of the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. I'm your host, Peter, and I am still here. Tonight on the book, we welcome Matt Curtis, guitarist and vocalist of Brooklyn, New York band Plight. Their new album, Plastic Sun, is available now via a la carte records. Plight first caught my attention in 2019 with the single Caught and the EP Linger, which were self-released. Thereafter, in 2019, there was a B-Sides single, and then it went quiet for two years. After which, a la carte records allowed me to listen to a promotional of Plastic Sun. And I have to admit, I've been absolutely obsessed with it ever since. This record dropped six months ago, I've been trying to get them on. They're busy, busy individuals. They've been playing non-stop. If you're not familiar, if you're a fan of anything from Quicksand, Failure, The Smashing Pumpkins, all the way to Hum, Swerve Driver, uh, Title Fight, um, our local boys, Title Fight, any of those above-mentioned bands, plus a million other dream pop, post-hardcore, and shoegaze groups. The best part of Plight is the fact that they utilize all of these different flavors and then do something that perhaps Rivers Cuomo would have done had those been his major touchstones. It is absolutely resplendent to behold, to listen to, to be embraced by sonically. I can't say enough good things about this record and I really, really think Matt is a wonderful human being. I loved speaking to him. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. If you dig this podcast, if you listen to it on a weekly or monthly or, 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 or bi-monthly basis and, and something has caught your ear, please like, rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to help us out, head over to Facebook, Instagram, uh, share our stuff, give us a like over there. You can also donate to us or financially subscribe if you so choose. I'm not pushing that. What I am asking of you all, if you dig, let everybody know you dig it. Word of mouth is the number one best 
advertisement on the planet. On to this conversation. Matt and I got along swimmingly, uh, talked about influence, talked about the uh, emotional resonance of music at large, about music from our scenes, uh, plural, and of course, life in general, and the ubiquitous question of existential dread. You know the one. I really, uh, I really hope you all enjoy this, and I'm going to turn it over to Matt right now. This is Matt Curtis of Plight, speaking on their album, Plastic Sun, on the book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. And this is Common Thief, off of that album. I hope you dig.
Hey, Hello. how's it going? Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm good. And yourself? I am doing quite well. Thank you. I have been borderline obsessed with Plastic Sun since before it was commercially available. Because growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, I'm, I'm 47, uh, very much of your sound is rooted in the things that I was absolutely just immersed in as, as a teenager. Everything from Love Battery to Quicksand, Hum, uh, Seaweed, all the way through like Matthew Sweet and American Music Club. I hear all of these influences in your music. Are all of these like touchstones for you guys? Um, yeah, definitely. I think like that's a lot of stuff that we're inspired by. I think like there's stuff that we grew up on, but like our drummer is born in the late 80s. The rest of us were born in the early 90s. So um, we grew up with some stuff, but I'll, I'll be honest, like, I, I feel like a lot of our influences draw from stuff that we found later in life. But, um, and a lot of those bands that you mentioned are like huge influences for us. Like I'm obsessed with hum. Um, I see you have a quicksand record behind you. Oh, I bought I tickets to <laughs> that. Yeah. I bought tickets to the slip, uh, 30 year anniversary tour today. Um, and yeah, I feel like it's like it's a mix because like there's also contemporary bands too that um, we really like, and I feel like it spreads pretty far within like that category because we're, you know we don't just listen to like one thing. Sure. Um, and there's like a lot of '90s acts that I feel like you know I'm inspired by, and then like the rest of us too have like we have like common bands that we really like, but um, you know, we each have like our own too. Like Smashing Pumpkins is like a band we can all agree upon. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm definitely like way more into like slow Corey type stuff and like Duster and Red House Painters and Codeine, yeah. um, way, probably way more than the rest of the guys. Um, but like, you know, everybody has like their own thing that they're like super, super into. You know, the Red House Painters thing uh, makes sense to me, too, because I could hear some of Mark in you, not not in the way you sing, because he obviously has that baritone and that that monotone that that he delivers with. 
but um i can i can hear it you know what i'm saying and especially like red house painters were one of those acts that coulda shoulda would have been and and did have that cult kind of following but never i think really made that crest into the next phase of what should have been a very lucrative career um i think what you guys are doing uh is a great gateway drug for the people of this generation to kind of you know find get a, that time machine back to those days same with the smashing pumpkins i don't know how you feel about autumn the new massive uh three lp deal. Oh, i haven't listened to it yet you haven't um no not yet it's it's like siamese dream half of it is really good and half of it <sighs> yeah i mean i'll be honest I was, i've been listening to siamese dream a lot and i felt that way for a minute mm -hmm. but honestly like listening to it more recently i feel like i've been way more into it and it's definitely like a journey you know but like then it has so many just like banging tracks uh, um, I should, and I like should have said melancholy not siamese dream melancholy because yeah. that's that's the double record yeah it could have been siamese dream is just like hit after hit after hit there's nothing wrong yeah. with gish or siamese dream both records are flawless front to back just to <laughs> correct <laughs> myself it, it was it was melancholy that half of it i thought was flawless the other half i kind of wish they distilled into one album yeah it's a uh i mean they did it on purpose but it's definitely just like you have to sit down and like listen to it in its entirety and i feel like when i listen to it just like parts like you don't really like grasp it mm -hmm. um as much and it's it's a hard listen too because you're like all right i gotta sit here and like listen to this for a while yeah i remember the day it came out sitting through the entirety of it and I was in college, so I was definitely dabbling in some extracurricular activities uh, that are not for the ears of my my child that are, is in the room next. But there's a uh, there. It helps, I guess, to be kind of a little bent before you go into listening <laughs> to that. But if there's one song on that album that I return to constantly, it's the song "Bodies." Oh yeah, there's something. See my track I just recently I've been really jamming on is Jelly Belly. Like I'm just like, mm -hmm. God, that song just rips so hard. Um, and there's like a lot of tracks like that, I feel like on Melancholy, especially that like they're deep cuts, you know, like that's the fan for that's like the album for like, you know, the people who are like smashing pumpkins heads. Yeah. You know, you're like, all right, I'm gonna get into every corner of Billy Corgan's weirdness. <laughs> I but think, also like they have like cool like james ehaw songs on it and stuff like that too james ehaw did an incredible solo record right around that time period that i anybody who likes alt country need to they need to hear that james ehaw solo record it is like if whiskey town you know was a little bit more uh you know like psych rock infused almost it's 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 a a, a rare find you can't really it's not hasn't been in print since the 90s but it's one mm -hmm. of those that you if you're a smashing pumpkins head you need to hear at least once yeah i haven't heard it so i'll definitely check that out yeah yeah when you do message me and tell me what you think i think it's phenomenal but he's he's kind of an unheralded genius james mm -hmm. especially that guitar sound and i think you like the way you guys specifically harness the guitar you don't it's you're not beating it up you're allowing you know your emotions to kind of resonate through the guitar and like that's something galaxy 500 would have done 
you know what I'm saying? They like they, they allow the song to breathe. Uh, when you were going into recording this record, uh, what were you all like? What what was the vibe in the room? Like, did you write this all in the room, or was this something that you would bring pieces to everyone with? Um, so the album honestly was just like we wrote it during COVID, mm -hmm. um, and so we had written. I don't know, maybe a handful of songs pre-COVID. And we were actually playing Bedhead live pre-COVID. But Bedhead was the only song that we were playing live previously that made the record. Um, so we continued to jam on those. And then um, when COVID hit, we were like, all right, well, you know, what else do we do? We might as well write. And so we wrote like 20 or so songs um, and then cut them down to 12. And then we recorded 12, but then when we recorded um 12 too it ended up just being 10 because like one didn't turn out good and then one went um one had to go because it was too long for the lp but like the vibe of like going into recording um i think we were excited just because like we demoed the songs out um like three times during covid um before we tracked so like the songs that all the songs that made the record like were we scrutinized like down to the wire and like listen to them like over and over and over again and like i feel like there's so like almost everything down to like you know the melodies the lyrics the tones um you know what the drums are doing bass is doing guitars are doing like it's all thought it we thought it out a lot because we listened to the songs you know hundreds and hundreds of times um and so i felt like we were pretty prepared going in um but we at first were we tried to record it ourselves actually <laughs> initially um and we actually did end up recording the guitars ourselves um but that just like took a while too so i feel like once we were actually in a studio um and had an engineer that we really trusted working with us who happened to be our guitar player's old roommate um we felt a lot better and like things became really quick i think we were super happy when it was done um just one just being like holy crap like you know just completing a record <laughs> is insane um i honestly feel pretty thankful to have recorded like that much like i've never put out that much music um as a band and so that was like one thing um and then the other thing too was just like all right well when do we release it um which is like you know the whole other story but going into it yeah definitely feelings of like feelings of relief and like anxiousness too, like, you know, wanting to do it well. But I think we were so prepared from the demoing that we felt like we knew what we were doing. Like last time it was like, it was like, learn my songs and learn Anthony's songs. And like, you know, we didn't talk about them at all. It just went into kind of like a random studio. And this was just like such the opposite experience in the best way possible. Um, so yeah, I'd say like those were the feelings going into it and recording it well you had a cassette at one point uh before this did you not yeah yeah, yeah that's the uh it's like it's an ep but it's like a freaking demo uh, i have it. i have uh, it. no way yeah and it, the thing about that uh was i was under the impression that it was like recorded live almost that's how it felt. yeah it was it was um and, and everything i really liked that. i liked the sound of it i liked how it came across I like I like things that are raw. Like you're wearing a Lemonhead shirt. The early yeah. Lemonheads records were very raw mm -hmm. and, and very direct. I I enjoy that. I appreciate that about uh, musicians with a, the courage 
to put that forth. I think with Plastic Sun, what you have here is is something vastly different, but also like a, a really honest document of some very mixed feelings, lyrically especially. Um, it's kind of a ride lyrically. Where were you coming from with that? Because it's it's almost like a a, a, a longing mixed with uh, an almost disgust that I kind of pick up lyrically, although they are very stream of consciousness. So um, I think like the first thing that we thought about just writing it is like, what kind of band do we want to be? And like, what do we want to talk about? And like, I think the name is pretty fitting um, for our music. Um, but I also think too, like we went into it thinking about approaching lyrics very differently. Um, and then both me and Anthony, our guitar player, um, write lyrics. So honestly, like a good portion of the record, um, you know, Anthony wrote. So like, I can't speak exactly to him, but I think like we were, we were like in the same like space, um, you know, just as a band. And I think like we were going through a lot of uh, darkness uh, as a band, um, both with COVID and like, um our old bass player was battling with like a drug addiction that like just went on for like a really long time and like i feel like that you know kind of inevitably came out in our music yeah. um and like feelings of just like loss and um yeah there's like songs about like loss and like addiction and just like um i don't know but also like at the same time like not trying to like let that stuff like control you um, like it is what it is and just kind of like just being like, all right, like, you know, it is like life is, you know, gets kind of hard sometimes, but it's like, you kind of just like letting it be and just kind of like riding the journey at the same time. So I feel like that's like how my vibe was going in, um, and trying not to have a record that's just like, you know, like so desperately somber. Yeah. Um, and like feel sorry for ourselves kind of shit. Like, I think we were kind of <laughs> over that. Um, and so, and we wanted to write something like more mature. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think like we were thinking about how we, we write lyrics that like are smart, but like not to the point where we're, you're like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> um, and, but, and like being like unique as well, because I think like a lot, um, I think like we consciously are trying to not be one thing um and i think that allows us to you know draw from a lot of different influences and not just feel like okay like we're this kind of band we have to write in like this way or anything like that yeah and i'm, I'm trying to pull up lyrics here um specifically let's see common thief just the, the beginning of that song alone there's there's a a subdued triumphant drive musically to that song but lyrically i mean it's it's you know we're coming close to a total attack i'm in over my head over my head call it quits he's been stabbed in the back was it something i said as i crawled out of bed there's it's a, it's like a study in opposites almost because musically it's not somber lyrically it's it's like begrudgingly getting through life almost you know yeah and, and and i think that that is part of the maturity that you're talking about because you're not trying to bring everybody down with you 
it's it's like okay this stuff happened and you're looking at it on paper that's almost how it feels to me anyway um the whole record's like this though and and it switches gears often i don't find myself listening through and being like okay that's just like this song this one's more like this song everything it, it all has its evolution as the record progresses when you were tracking it when you were deciding you know the sequencing which song goes where was that a very uh did you mull that over yeah um, i'd imagine yeah we did um and like everything changed because like you go in having like one idea about like how this should be and then it's like, wait, should the album actually start that way? Um, and then also like trying to think about it on vinyl, like how we want the record to sound that wise. And like also what's going to fit song wise. Like we actually had a different sequence um, for side A and side B. And then like we that's when we ended up having to cut one of the songs. Um, and we were like, all right, well, like, how are we going to stack this? Um, which is funny because like I, I feel like when I listen to the record, it's like side a is like the rockers and like side B is just like the like more slower chiller songs, um, which is cool. I feel like it like shows us like half and half, but like, yeah, the sequencing, like I feel like we are, we're pretty happy with how we decided to put the songs. And I feel like we put it to like, I, I don't know. I feel like we just honestly like, like a, a lot of like the first songs, like a lot, um, which is funny because like, songs like no outlet that was like the last song that was like written for the record and i feel like we but i feel like we also like thought about too as a band like what we want to play live and like how we want because like playing slow stuff live like we're just kind of like i don't know it's not as fun like we, we like to rock out um and i feel like we just thought that was like all right like that's kind of like the vibe we want to present like we like having more of like an energetic vibe um but i also think too like it's nice because we're able to like bring it back and like chill out and then like also be able to not feel like we're pigeonholed of like oh, okay we're only like the band that you know is heavy and you know has like the distorted chorus and all that stuff it's like okay like we can bring it down and like have different dynamics and play with like different kind of bands and i think like we were thinking about that kind of stuff in the back of our minds as well um of not just like trying to do like one thing yeah and you've been playing out uh pretty frequently as of late have you not um yeah last couple months not as much we actually have a show monday um we had a show i want to say last month that got canceled for whatever odd reason um and then this is like our first show and it's like in late june um since then so like it's been a couple months but um we're going on a summer tour next month um which will be nine days um, and we kick off in Brooklyn. So really excited about that. Cause that's like one of our longest runs, but yeah, haven't played a show, haven't played shows in a minute, but I'd say like when our record came out or like when COVID started, like, you know, subsiding a bit and shows were able to happen, we definitely were trying to get out there and play as much as possible. Um, just to kind of like, I think we wanted to show people like these songs, um, and we were proud of them. And like, you know, we hadn't had the chance to play them live and we haven't we haven't even played every song on the record live i want to say um or maybe we have but like only, some of them only a couple so it's also like nice to like you know feeling like testing the waters like how do people react to this song because i think like there's a idea of like okay like this is the song that like we all love and then it's like 
but then like the song that like you don't think of is the song that like everybody really likes yeah yeah that's it's always the one that resonates with you almost the least that people really you know grab onto and then it gives it a second life for you as well uh what what types of bands have you been playing with because i'd imagine it's kind of a mixed bill yeah um i'd say like so we're playing on sunday or monday um is like a shoegaze band um i want to say like two shoegaze bands i'm not super familiar with the second band but i know the first band's kind of a shoegaze band and then we're playing with a slowcore band and then just kind of like an alternative rock um kind of band kind of like a grungy vibes and like shoegaze like fits in that a lot so i feel like whatever kind of ticks like honestly like that like 90s like alternative box for us i feel like <laughs> we're down to play with like we'll play with like a band that sounds you know like pedro the lion and like we're more than happy to and then like we'll also play with a band that sounds like you know jimmy world to like texas is the reason kind of shit like One emo stuff favorites yeah fuck yeah that's i love that band to death yeah. um and yeah i feel like just kind of anything that we like as people like has honestly been stuff that we've been um fortunate enough to play with i feel like we've our our safe space is like playing with like shoegaze bands but i think to like we're not a shoegaze band or i don't feel that way no um and not. so yeah so i think like we can fit in with them but um it's nice because we we don't have shows that are like the same bands like over and over like the last show we played with we played with um two-piece band that was like it was drums and bass and they were like insane like just loud as fuck like i don't know like how i would even describe it it was like post-rock with like screaming and it was crazy sounding and then like the headliner was like a slow core kind of like uh garage rock kind of band and i feel like it's nice to be able to play with stuff like that and not feel like okay every band on this bill sounds the same <laughs> that's that that was a point that i, I was going to come to about your sound specifically because <clears throat> since you kind of like have all these different influences in your wheelhouse you could play with post hardcore bands you could play with like traditional emo bands shoegaze bands alternative rock grunge any anything in the independent rock spectrum you'd be pretty well matched with and i think that's a strength and i also i kind of feel like it puts you a little bit ahead of them too because when i listen to it i i hear the influences sure but i i, I don't even want to find a place to kind of put you as like they're this you know, thank you so much i feel like my plight is just fucking plight to me thank you that's like something that i feel like we all are like i said we try to consciously think about not being like a shoegaze band a slowcore band and like we don't all worship like one band it's not like oh my god like hum's the band that we like want to sound like because the thing is is like hum is hum like they are the best at what they do like drug church is drug church you know yeah. like title fight can't be touched like there are bands that's just like they're my neighbor they're never gonna be that you know so <laughs> yeah. like do your own thing and just i think the yeah it's it feels nice to just kind of like just let it go and like not think about it like we are influenced by a ton of different stuff um like i said like we all grew up listening to different 90s stuff like 
you know, I saw Blink-182 like a couple of weeks ago and like, that was awesome. Um, but then like, you know, we also love like hardcore shows. And like I, we went, me and our guitar player went to Drain and Drug Church and like, oh, yeah. you know, I went to Narrowhead the other week and like, I bought tickets to Quicksand today. Like there's so many different things that we're inspired by. So I feel like it's nice to just like, let it, let it just come out as, as is, but also like, at the same time you know try to harness that like i feel like we're like all right like we like playing heavier songs um we like playing stuff like this but like yeah like you know we're never going to be hum we're never going to be deftones we're never going to be lemonheads any of these bands we want to we you know love but like i don't want to be exactly that it's already been done yeah and the most respect you can give any band that you idolize is to not sound like them you, you may take a little here, a little there, but, you know, to be an individualistic band, you have to kind of almost slough off aspects of your influences. Otherwise, it's you. I'd, I would never want to be in another social distortion. When I was, yeah. a little, I was a little kid, I have a shitty social D tattoo <laughs> right there from when I was a little kid in the 80s. And, you know, they were my favorite band. I never wanted to be in social distortion or be in a band that sounded like social distortion. I just really liked them. The, that's the most respectful you can possibly be. And you mentioned title fight. I, I know the, I know them since they're little kids, they're little scene kids from my area here. They went from a youth crew, hardcore band to doing their own thing with like aspects of shoegaze and, and slowcore and stuff. I admire that. And they got a lot of shit for that in the beginning. I think anytime you start to get flack from people, you're onto something. Yeah. <laughs> um, did did you what kinds of bands did you play in precursor to play? Um, I played in a just like a small like shoegaze band. Um, when I live I'm from the Bay Area. And so um before I moved to New York, I was playing in a band called Pastel from San Francisco. We were only around for like a year. Um, but we were just like we were trying to be like a shoegaze band. Um, you know, we liked a lot of stuff, I think like more contemporary stuff for at the time, like Avlov was like a huge influence for us, or we loved level up at the time, I remember. Um, but like it was also like nothing was huge and I was obsessed with slow dive and my blade yeah. valentine. So like it was just trying to be more of that and trying to be like heavier. I think like kind of maybe around like early narrowhead stuff, it was just like, oh yeah, we just want to be like heavy shoegaze um but that was like a bit that was like honestly like the first band i'd ever like really been in um and it was just like everybody else was learning this other guy's song so it wasn't even like you know the rest of us were really like it was a completely different dynamic like plight is a democracy to like for better for worse and like it makes it so much better in like that <laughs> regard like not just like okay i'm learning this but yeah, I was into like a little shoegaze thing before, but um, and then our drummer was in a uh, he was in like a metalcore band prior called uh, My America is Watching Tigers Die. Um, they were like crazy sounding, kind of like um, like his favorite band's Botch. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, and he like tore his old band like toured with like Fear Before the March of Flames and oh wow, yeah, like crazy shit like that. And then I our bass player was in another band before too. 
I think there was like an alternative rock band, and then our guitar player said that he played in a cover band before. No, wow. um, yeah. So that's, <laughs> but like for me, like an Anthony, our guitar player, like this is definitely like our first like most legit band. Like my other band, like didn't tour. It was just like local shows. Played one show in LA and like had to rent a minivan for it. Like we have a van now, and like this is so much more like it's like okay, this is like an actual band. Now, how did you find a la carte? Because if you look at a la carte's roster, they are varied, but for the most part, you know, they kind of found that moment when the whole post-punk revival started to really blossom. And it seemed like they almost had a stranglehold on it. And then they come way out of left field with this record. I think it's perfect for the label. You're a perfect fit for them for that reason. But how did you come across them? Um, so Spirits of Leo from day one has been like our homie band. Like Ryan is from the Bay Area. Um, when I met him, I was vegetarian. He's like vegan. And I feel like we just like hit it off. Like we're around the same age too. Like, um, and we hit it off because we like a lot of the same music and just like consistently we're playing shows together. Um, and then we were talking to him about our new record and where to uh, pitch it to. And we had a couple of places and he's like, yeah, you should send it to a la carte. I think they'd really like it. And a la carte got back to us and was like super, super hyped about the record. Oh, yeah. um, and Travis and Francisco are like the nicest people ever. And it just made us feel like so comfortable right away. Um, I felt like other places that we were talking to were like, we can't do it right now. Like kind of like, I don't know, like they'd be doing us like a favor and like, yeah, they're yeah, definitely, you're definitely like are doing somebody a favor by like, you know, helping them put out their record. But yeah. it, I don't know, like I'd rather work with somebody who's like super hyped on us than just like somebody who's like, yeah, you can be on the label and then like not have them like push it really or like believe in it. Um, and just like, you know, I think they were able to have something that made sense for us um and like was more legitimate than some of the labels we were considering um but also like not too far-fetched either um and yeah they just made us feel like honestly like right at home and i felt like with spirits of leo it was like all right like that's our homie band from day one um and then we ended up playing a show with uh true faith and spirits of leo too and meeting them too we were like yeah like this band's sick um their record sounds awesome too um and so i just feel like yeah we were like this is like the best place we can go to like that it just made sense for us what's what's great too um you know travis is like he's he, travis is almost like my long lost twin or something <laughs> he and i have so much in common it's disgusting but when you think of these people these personalities that are involved with with all a cart it's very it's a very punk rock affair over there um they don't make any money you know they don't none of them draw a paycheck from it it's all a labor of love it's all diy it's all discord influenced um it to me it seems like a no-brainer that they would sign you guys and that's the way i was told it was you know they just heard it they loved it it was a yes unanimous um it's not just one guy making a decision over there there's five or six people making uh, uh of taking a vote are we going to do this? And it was just a quick unanimous. Yes. I think once everyone else hears 
this record, everyone who likes good music, this is going to catch on fire. I have that feeling. I, I had, I told Franny that the first time I heard the first couple of songs, I'm like, this is going to be big. It might take a minute. Um, but this is going to grab ears from the post hardcore set all the way through to people who just like alternative rock. How has the uh, reception been? Definitely the best that I feel like it's ever been for us as a band. Um, you know, starting out, like we didn't know what we were doing. And I feel like there's a lot of bands that we built relationships with. And like the scene has kind of grown um, a lot. I feel like when we were starting out, I feel like we honestly have that many bands to play with. We like, I feel like we were playing with Spirits of Leo because they were like the only band. Like, it's like, I don't know, like Spirits of Leo or like a couple of other bands that we would play with. Um, and now the scene is like crazy, yeah. um, which is just like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's definitely like a way different vibe from like when we started to now. Who's a, like a dream band that you would like to play with? Ooh, um, good question. I think like contemporary band, Drug mm -hmm. Church. Um, oh, yeah, yeah I, that like hands down. Um, that band just is awesome from like head to toe. Um, I, if I was thinking about like an older band, um, I think like like Weezer, like Smashing Pumpkins, like, you know, like if I could play fucking MSG, like that would be amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like any, anything that's like an influence, like at all, um, I feel like we'd be more than happy to play with it. I, I have a very important question to ask since you mentioned them. The Blue Album or Pinkerton? Blue Album, hands down. Okay, okay. I love them both for different reasons. I, I think both are incredible, but the blue album is like the punk beach boys. And when Jimmy world first happened right after they stopped being a pop punk band, my old grindcore band played a festival with them around here in, in the Scranton area. Um, Static prevails was out at this point. And everyone was saying, these guys are like the emo beach boys. And I was like, eh, the, the punk beach boys thing already happened. It's Weezer. <laughs> As much as Clarity, like there's Jimmy World's second record, Clarity, is one of the greatest albums I've ever heard in my entire life. But the Blue Album is legitimately, I, I'm surprised Phil Spector didn't produce it. That's how Beach Boys that record is to me. <laughs> that record is just like, I feel like it reminds me of like a record, like not that they sound similar at all, but like Siamese Dream, or like you listen to it and you're like, holy crap, like every track just kicks so much ass. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I feel like Pinkerton is like, Pinkerton's a good record, but I feel like it's a it's a heavier record. It goes places sonically, like w w in weirder spots, you know? And I feel like, whereas Blue Album is just like very cohesive um, and just, yeah, I don't know. The tones on that album too are just, so good and the songwriting is just so unbelievably catchy i i can't believe that that record happened when it did that that's that's kind of a a big get for that specific record because had it happened three years 
later down the line, would it have caught fire? I don't think so. I think it was the like the right time for something like that to happen too. Uh, if you think about it, who was like the big bands back then from Nirvana to Oasis, you know, like that was kind of like the, the, the climate of the time period. All of those sounds needed their answer, something that was outside of it, but equally as good, if not better, uh, with good songwriting, with, with attention to harmony, something that wasn't really of vast importance in, in, in the music climate at that time. That, I think, is why it cut through a lot of the noise, too. But, you know, I was a teenager already when that record happened, so I have a different set of eyes on it. And Weezer, for, for better or worse, have made some clunkers <laughs> since then. But the, their first three are... You could bank on them. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? They're, they're that and... I mean, you can't be a band too for that long and like not write like a couple bad songs. Um, you know, like Jimmy World too. Like, yeah, Jimmy World's like first three records are fucking, you know, perfect. Yep. Futures is good. I like Futures. It's fine, but it's not as good as the first three. No. And like, yeah, like Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, first three records. You know, a band like that lasts forever. You can't have every track be a banger. But yeah, like, you know, every band too has like their heyday. Yeah. Um, of like okay like especially a band that's like been around that long like you're just like all right like those that record is just like so especially just like growing up and like you know if those records are like really formative for you like i don't know like blue album too like i remember listening when i like actually sat down and listened to it it was like one of those records where i'm like okay this record's just on all the time now yeah yeah there's there's and in that time period, like, just I'm going to discount hardcore, which I came from hardcore. That was my culture. I'm just popular music only. You think about all of the good that came out in popular music around that time period. Weezer and Oasis really kind of topped everybody consistently, in my opinion. Who was better? I don't, I don't smashing pumpkins maybe but they were already kind of like yeah some some being different yeah at which i'm not going to shit on it because i i really like adore i think adore is a great record would it have been better with jimmy chamberlain probably <laughs> but he had he had some things going on what do you think your next record's going to look like mm, you know i think it'll be more of like harnessing in on like the or honing in on like the things that i think we liked one like to play live and two like to hear um and yeah i think like the live aspect of it does like we do try to think of that um like a lot too like and you know the idea of what we want our band to be is ever evolving mm. um you know i was reading a article about um at fiddleheads last record and they talked about how they wanted to think about having like lyrics be like sung, sung back at them. And I think like, you know, that's something that like, I've never really thought about before. So like thinking about stuff like that. And then also just like, yeah, like what do we want to play? Like what, what are we listening to right now? Like, I feel like I've listened to like a lot of, I've, I got more into like heavier stuff and I like playing the heavier stuff. So 
I don't know if our new stuff will necessarily be heavier, um, but we like playing that stuff. And like, um, I got into like Deftones way more. And like, I've been listening to like Helmet a lot more and like other Helmet spinoffs, like Handsome, I really like. Handsome, that, um, was, that was a New York hardcore super group. Yeah, like that album is just so fucking cool. Um, and like I said, like we're all into like hardcore and stuff too. So um, I think, you know, I don't know how like punky it will be, but also we have a new bass player. So, um, you know, his bass playing is going to be different. His influences are way different too. And I think it's inevitably going to sound like a different record. Um, but because me and Anthony, our guitar player, like both bring songs to the record, it's going to be a mix of our influences um and we don't listen to the same music you know like he yeah. does listen to different stuff than i do we have common um influences but um yeah i think it'll be it'll it'll be something that the band will decide about like what it wants to be because even if he or anthony bring a song to the band you know that's done it's not done it's gonna be like all right this needs to be like this and this needs to be like this and um i think it'll be kind of honing in on what we what we did now i think it'll be like kind of i think it'll be like plastic sun but maybe like more polished about like what we want to be as a band um i feel like honestly plastic sun is like the is a good record for us because we're proud of it um but now it's like all right what's the next thing um and like what do we like about plastic sun what do we not like about it um listening to and playing live because i think too like there are songs like that i necess i maybe feel like live aren't as fun to play but then i listen to them and i'm like okay that makes sense like um some of like the more like slow quarry type songs like you know sometimes they feel like they just drag on um a little bit but i feel like too like sometimes like that's like the point of like kind of like the hip like <laughs> hypnotic vibe to it of yeah. like um, just letting it kind of like vibe out and like letting the song kind of just like wash over you in a way. Um, I'm going to grab the record. Hold on one second. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Um, now, you think that the second half is kind of like they are the slower tracks on the record. They're the longer tracks. But ritual specifically live, I think would be just so intense because it, although it's slower in tempo, it has a drive that uh, is almost reminiscent of something like a band like Neurosis, where it, it, it it's oppressive almost, but it's hypnotic and, and you kind of you can't get it out of your head once you're listening to it. I think in the room that would be like a show killer that would that'd be a perfect closer um i know it I, i'm a musician i understand you want mm -hmm. that you want to play that high energy stuff because it it gets you going but you have to remember there's an audience out there who they're going to get into it they're going to get the point of something that is toned down but has nuance i have a prediction for your next record i think it's going to be longer I think it's definitely going to be a little heavier, but I think the pop sensibilities that are very prevalent on this are going to shine through more because it's, it's the next record, right? You, you already tested the waters. You already, you're already out there. You, you already tested this on the road. 
inevitably as you write new songs they're going to make their way into your set you're going to find what works and that's how it's that's how it's going to evolve um that's just my prediction <laughs> i'm i'm usually right with this stuff too but uh like emotionally i know they're you'd said you know plight's a great name for the band but growing up was that also applicable or did you have more of a a normal type of childhood i definitely did not have a normal childhood um you're a musician why the fuck would you <laughs> yeah um yeah i can't speak for everybody else in the band but uh I feel like that's why you deviate toward punk rock, right? Like, yeah. I don't know, just like music, you know, it's cheesy, but like, you know, it's always been there for me. Like, like it's been there for like the rest of us. And like, I've always, I don't know. I I feel like, you know, growing up, like I, I, I was an emo kid, you know, like I've been, I was, I had the fucking girl jeans and like straight hair and stuff like that. Um, and I feel like, that like i don't know like, like i'm just like a i'm an i'm a sad person in some regards like i just like you know and i feel like that like not that like i'm like you know depressed or any, like clinically <laughs> depressed or like you know anything like that where it's like that's all i am but i feel like there that stuff too like resonates with me like a lot like when i listen to it like that's why i love red house painters like yeah. Um, and like, honestly, like everything Mark Kozlak does, is just like, it's so fucking real. Um, did you, how did you feel about the records he'd done with Jesu, Justin Broderick? Badass. Oh, so yeah. fucking good, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Justin Broderick too, like everything he does is Genius. super. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's been in every good band. <laughs> yeah, um, pretty much. <clears throat> but I, I recognize that, you know, the, obviously you come from you know not not a stable place so obviously music's going to be your best friend i have over 7000 lps alone behind me that will speak wow. to the fact that my only friend for a very long time was music um you know growing up in i'm from the northeast in pennsylvania it's already depressing it, it rains like a quarter of the year it snows the other quarter and then the rest of it's just uncomfortable as well uh rampant uh opioid and alcoholism and you know it, it touches everybody so you like you only have a couple options in life and it's either to be a jock asshole or you know get fucked up and forget about it all work a construction job and 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 die in the same town that you were born in so the only means of transcendence was picking up an instrument and and singing in bands and and learning to you know self-determine what my next move in life would be and i recognize that in in, in what you guys do uh, obviously you can be a, a normal adjusted person and make music but i argue that if you are you're probably making music that i personally don't want to hear <laughs> <laughs> think about it um how many bands that you love came their members came from broken homes probably almost all yeah probably a decent amount i would say yeah i mean like yeah like there's artists too like um we were talking about like 
if we ever did a cover and like one of the um songs that anthony mentioned was a couple like he mentioned a couple sparkle horse songs and i was like yo i fuck with sparkle mm-hmm. horse so hard um but like yeah fucking depressing and like i love jason molina you know elliot smith is our bass player's favorite band so like yeah cool. we all fuck with that shit super hard um yeah like i don't know it's just like i feel like that's just like rooted in like a punk like anybody who like deviates toward punk like you know those feelings before um and everybody has them and you just find like um some of that resonates with you i think how did how do i put this how did you come across the music that you currently love like growing up none of us start out with you know punk and 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 really good stuff like how did you come into the scene as it were um <clears throat> so like i think like just first starting off like you know back when i was like a little kid like first listening to like alternative music um it was like hearing stuff on mtv and like you know what your friends listen to so like blink 182 like incubus like the offspring was huge for me when i was a little kid mm-hmm. and then i remember in like sixth grade my friend showed me rancid and that was like the first band that like was not on tv um that i was like yo this band's really cool and then china just like kept going into like you know trying to find bands that i liked like um i got an atticus compilation i don't know if you remember oh, yeah, those, but like yeah, like that was a really formative uh, CD for me because it just like exposed me to like a lot of different music and same with um, funny like Yahoo music videos. Like I would just watch those like before YouTube and like find like so many cool bands. Um, I remember like in seventh grade or so, like finding like Norma Jean and Unroth and like those oh. were the first bands that like screamed yeah. that I had ever heard in my yeah. life. And that <laughs> was like, that was like, honestly, like, for better or for worse, like my first introduction to like anything like remotely heavy. And then just like, you know, getting older, like friends showing you stuff. Um, my buddy who was like a metalhead showed me like tons of grunge stuff, like gave me like a record with like Pearl Jam and uh, Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana. And then also gave me a, a record with like Obituary and like Deicide and yes. like, and like Slayer and like all these like crazy bands and like fucking like, you know, to down to grindcore shit like anal blast and like anal cunt and like all this yep. crazy shit and black metal stuff that i had like never heard of um like huge and then i feel like honestly like yeah it's just friend stuff um i remember t- title fight was huge for me in high school like i feel like pop punk was really big and like that scene was growing um like i remember listening to like uh like the wonder years like transit and like such gold and like bands like that and then through that too i think i got like more into hardcore like i had known who like bands were like like hardcore like you know real in more intense stuff like for a while like i knew who like page 99 were i knew like have were but like i didn't like sit down and like listen to stuff like that heavy like really until then like it like seriously and i feel like as i got older um you know finding getting more into punk stuff i got really into trash talk when i was like a freshman <laughs> in college um and then freshman in college too you know just meeting another guy who was like obsessed with like dinosaur jr so like yeah. showed me like sonic youth 
showed me my Billy Valentine, Slow Dive, like all that shit. Um, and then, you know, from there, just like grew and grew and grew. Like the stuff that I just felt like I just more connected with, just tried to dive deeper into it. Like I was obsessed with, like I said, my Billy Valentine and Slow Dive. And then from there, like just trying to like, you know, go through, you know, the weeds of the internet, like finding different stuff. And like, you know, like I would listen to bands like, that and some of them i like and some of them i don't or or like the first time you hear it you're like oh my god this is sick but then like you don't really fuck with it when you really listen to it yeah um like ride like never really clicked for me like they're fine Uh, i just really don't care about them too much um like nowhere is a good record i'm not gonna like debate that and like going blank again is cool but like i'm so much more of an mbv um slow dive type person and so slow dive is one of my all-time favorite bands and i love I I do love Ride, and I but I love my bloody Valentine, and I really really love Slow Dive. There was there was something specifically about them that I think resonated with me more than any of the other bands of that ilk. I think it's because the the vocals were discernible, which it was cool. My bloody Valentine was very cool that you couldn't tell what they were saying ninety percent of the time, and the vocals were buried, and it was all part of a cacophony of sound. Slow dive, very metered, very, you know, thoughtful. I agree. And I agree. Fun. I like. I'll be honest. I do like slow dive probably like a bit more if I had to choose. Yeah. Um. Probably for that reason too. I think they do things like, like. I don't know my day valentine too it's just one of those bands that's like honestly like they're so unique um which is really cool and i think like i fuck really hard but um yeah like the vocal melodies and the, just like how pretty the guitars are sounding and i feel like they go they go for me like more places like sonically that i feel like are like more emotionally like charged than like yeah. my belly valentine i feel like my belly valentine is a different journey um and I, yeah, but like, I feel like I, I gravitated towards stuff like that and just kind of kept growing. Like I said, like, I've been really into like helmet recently and like Deftones, honestly, like our band that like probably then like the last couple of years, like I just got really into, or like, I honestly, like, I loved Jimmy world growing up, growing up, but I listened to bleed American. That was the first record that I had ever heard by them. Mm-hmm. And that was a record that like was always playing um in my mom's car when she would like drive me to school but i didn't know of clarity i didn't know of static prevails and like i got into clarity like you know maybe like five years ago or something like that and like that record just is yeah that record rules and i think like there's a lot of stuff like that um and it's like also just checking out bands that like other bands recommend like that's how i found texas as a reason was through title fight yeah, because uh, they yeah, played. That makes sense. That they makes played. Sense. Do you? They, like the first time I saw them, they played. Do you know who you are? Um, yeah. Just like the intro, like while they're warming up, and my buddy's like, "Oh, that's a Texas the Reason riff," and I was like, "Who's that?" And then like he showed me them, and like just you know listening to like or and same with like getting into like more bands like Jawbreaker was like huge yeah. for me too. So like there's shit like that too where you're like, okay, I fuck with Title Fight. Who do they fuck with? Oh, this band like. Okay, I actually really, really like this band. Um, that, and that—that's the journey, though, right? Like, the, who are you gonna, who are you gonna listen to? You know, just your buddy down the street. You may respect them, but the band you really love. I mean, that's how I found ninety percent of the bands I got into when I was a kid. 
reading the liner notes of bands that I really loved. Mm-hmm. I love these guys. Who do they fuck with? It's in the liner notes of the record. Now, that's an experience that I think doesn't maybe necessarily resonate with people of generations behind me. Some, yeah, some, no. Uh, it all depends on if you were the type of person who would buy music. That's few and far between nowadays. Yeah. But records are coming back, so I'm not going to bemoan the new generation. They, they obviously have taste. But you look inside the sleeve of of, of a, and the album of a band you really love, and you see what bands they thank and name check, pretty much you're going to be guaranteed to like at least half of them. That's why I think, like, that. Like I don't know if the Atticus compilations are, like, Blink-182's thing, but I always, like, they associate... Are. Yeah, but I always just, like... When I grew up, I was like, oh, this is Blink-22's shit. And then, like, that was the shit I was like, like, Name Taken is honestly, like, one of my favorite bands of all time. And I would have not known about that band unless it was for, like, that comp. Um, was, and on- that, was that the bo- the comp with bo- when Boxcar Racer put out their first song ever? Yeah, dude. Boxcar yeah. Racer. We li- dude, dude, we were listening to Boxcar Racer on our last tour. And we were all like, this record's so sick. Um, and, so like, fucking good. Yeah, like um, I remember buying uh, CDs from Victory Records, and yeah. they would have like the uh, or like um, a lot of like the emo shit. Like growing up to like Solid State or Truth and Nail or other like labels like that would have um, a DVD that had music videos on it. And I remember watching those. Like I remember watching like I don't even remember. I think I bought like a Throwdown CD from um, Victory Fair. Records. Oh, well, oh, or. I think they were on victory at the time maybe okay. but um i could be totally wrong but mm-hmm. i remember finding like spittlefield on oh, that yeah. and like spittlefield from like a record that was just like so adjacent um was like super cool and like i remember finding like other shit like that um just through like stuff like that or or, or other different comps um and i feel like that that's always like was always like a really cool way to find stuff whereas like now it's just, like so easy or just like all right like who is similar artist but also like <coughs> feel like sometimes like i like those like i guess a like, curated playlist would for me like probably be more something that i would like because it kind of gets bands that are like less noticed and because like sometimes you just are clicking and you're like all right these are all the same fucking bands yeah um whereas like it's fine it's hard to find like a deep cut of like some like a band's like um I don't know, like Sensefield comes to mind. Like a band that like oh, Sensefield is like badass, but like they're a band that like not that many people know. And maybe maybe they only have like like for me, like Sensefield really has like that one record that just like fucking rocks. I don't really care for like the other stuff too much. Um and like I feel like there's bands like people wouldn't ever find that band unless like another band like vouch for them and just like I'm not saying I'm more using that in like a situational case. Yeah. Um, but I think like more bands, like I'd rather see more bands like do that. Cause like vouching for bands is like the coolest shit. And that's how you find bands that like, you know, there's so many bands that are awesome, but just not, you know, respected in the scene or don't know people or like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a million bands that, you know, are shitty, beca- but successful cause they know people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I just, and you're like, I just would rather, you know give credit to like i don't need to like jock anybody who's cool i need to jock somebody who like i like their music um so yeah i feel like we also try to like do that too um and play with bands like 
or bands that we asked to play with like we're like we want to play with this band because this band is good like um you know i can't say every band that um and i don't want to give away everything that's like on our tour but like a lot of the bands that we're playing with were like i really like this band um like we're playing with this band nixie nicks in philly mm -hmm. um who's just like fucking awesome and like we're playing with this band day aches in virginia that's really cool um and i think like doing stuff like that too has always like worked super well for us um because like you can never fit into something that like you were never a part of you know like you can never sit with the cool kids like unless like the cool kids accept you and it's like dude fuck that like i'm just gonna come in and like be the new kid in school and like say what's up to the people that like fuck with me and that i like like i don't need to like try to fit in with somebody that's cool no um, you create your own scene yeah and i feel like that stuff has like been so much so much easier now because there's so many more bands and i feel like there's bands that like are doing like similar stuff to us and like there's a lot of small labels like a la carte too um like this show on monday um it's like all a band on a la carte it's a band on suburban creep which is like a small record label that's like has a lot of good shit. same with Candlepin records um and like julia's war too like there's just like a lot of like alternative music right now like that with a lot of young bands um that's doing like a lot of stuff that i feel like honestly like makes it easy to like play shows here like of bands um you know it's just like where do you play um depending upon the city you're in <laughs> it's it's something travis said to me when he was on the podcast it's it's like we were talking about how people in my age group specifically like to bemoan new music like oh it's not like it used to be things aren't it's not as good the, like that's bullshit right now in my old ass opinion is the best time for music this is the most robust era of music to my mind that I could think of. And I know a lot of people in my age group just don't agree with that at all. And that's cool. You could be an old head and a curmudgeon and, and, and bitch about the new kids. But in reality, it's, as Travis said, an embarrassment of riches. There is so much good out there. It's actually hard to get it all. And, and, and to curate it all and, and, and experience it. I think when anything stands out to you like that, um, you have to grab onto it and, and really champion it. Hence this podcast in this point, at this point in my life, everybody I bring on this show, I don't just like, because that would be boring to me. And, and, <laughs> you know, it would be dishonest. Because in my mind, I'm curating the world's best playlist with this show. And you guys, to me, have been almost a focal point, really, in, in, in what I feel is extraordinary. Thank in, you. In music. And, and I mean that in all sincerity. Um, when I got a hold of your cassette, a buddy of mine got, had gotten it for me and sent it to me and said, yo. This is going to be your shit. I went nuts for it. Then Franny signed you guys and it snowballed. But my God. Your next record, if it 
if it isn't the biggest record in underground music, I'm going to be very pissed off <laughs> at people because it's not going to be your fault. <laughs> so I, I don't know how familiar you even are with this show or my format, but I only ever have one pre-prepared question that I ask everyone. That question being, what is it that terrifies you most on an existential level? So I'll posit that to you now. Um, probably like if God is real, <laughs> that shit, that scares the crap out of me, honestly. Why? Cause you never know what happens after you die. Right. Like, and just like, I don't know, like the aspect of like heaven and hell and like all that stuff is like, I don't, I wouldn't say that I believe that. Like, I don't know. I won't say that there's not an after like I'm agnostic and kind of like, I don't fucking know what else is out there, but. You know that's fucking scary like well, if god's real that's the ultimate cheat code because if you buy in wholesale to the idea of of a christ figure and that christ's death and resurrection was the fulfillment of prophecy and from there on as long as you and on your with your dying breath accept jesus as your personal lord and savior you're going straight to heaven it's the ultimate cheat code <laughs> but the, uh, and I get what you're saying though because in all honesty the idea of something that simple yet omnipotent and, and massive if that really existed and you went through your whole life being like just like the rest of us like I don't fucking know <laughs> and that's what you're faced with and the idea that there's a, a slight possibility that you did something that's um, so mortally sinful that you would be cast into eternal suffering that's that's terrifying but in all reality there's such a small subset of the human race that would actually deserve like full-on permanent damnation that the rest of us are gonna be okay no matter yeah. which way it shakes out i mean <laughs> I, i've gotten a lot of different answers to this question and I think what it all really breaks down to is uh, isolation and and feeling, I don't know, like the loneliness of eternity seems to come up quite a bit. And I think the fact that the fact of uh, a, a Godhead existing kind of like guarantees that there's an eternity. We can't handle it. We're not set up for it. We're too linear. We're based on the clock and the calendar. There's a finite amount of time that we're so used to when once things become infinite that's like uh, you throw everything else out like i i don't get it i don't want to get it <laughs> yeah yeah but like what do you think the root of that terror is for you though like if god exists or if there is a an afterlife i'm definitely rooted in my childhood for sure um my dad uh was a born again christian mm -hmm. um and like that happened later in my life um so and he became really intense and ex an extremist about it um and so yeah that's definitely like ingrained within me um i don't think that you know it's not something that like i worry about like oh my god i need to like be a christian or i'm gonna like burn in hell or anything like that but it's just like i think like thinking of like a higher power is just like 
it's just like a crazy thing and and just trying to think about like you know like what the world is and like your existence and like what you're doing with your time here is always like really crazy to think about and like thinking about like i don't know like you know just thinking about like your past and your and like your sins um and like shit that's happened to you in life and like i just think thinking about like how for me like thinking about like how all that ends is just like you know i don't know what's happened and it's interesting for me to like read like what people think happens because like some people think there's an afterlife some people are like oh you go back to like where you were before you were born mm-hmm. um but like nobody knows right and like that's just like the question i feel like that's just i don't know like it's it's trippy to think about like what do like what happens um and that's like i think too like like death is the only thing in life that is like finite like everything else like relationships can come and go you know jobs can come and go um but death is the only thing that's for certain yeah and i think that to me is why like it trips me out so hard because you know once you die like that's it um and it's just it's crazy like you think about and like just thinking about like all the stuff that happens like when somebody that you know dies like oh yeah thinking about like how you feel like oh like people are like oh i feel their presence or like shit like that or just like um you know people are like oh i yeah like oh i feel them or i saw them or like they spoke to me like shit like that like i still smell my dad okay yeah like yeah like things like that where you're just like i don't know like all that stuff is just super crazy um thinking about like and like different what different people have said you know like yeah um yeah so i think like death is just like such a it's just a crazy concept that nobody understands and i think that's why like the whole like thought of like what happens after you die is something that like is just like something that is scary you know because it's just that's like the one like great unknown. Well, here's, and this will, maybe it'll blow your mind. I don't know, but the human anima is driven by electricity. Electrons run us. Okay. Electricity is energy. Energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It can only be harnessed and redistributed. That's science. Um, where does energy go eventually? Uh, it goes to ground and collects in the earth itself. So if you could take comfort in anything, if those electrons do indeed contain your consciousness, your consciousness is going to go and join with other electrons in the ground and other consciousnesses and become part of a greater whole. So maybe that is heaven. And maybe once we all become pure energy again and go to ground and are all one again that loneliness that all human beings feel will go away because we are always meant to be one that's my belief (laughs) like see that like it's so interesting like hearing like what different people have to say about that and like what people like want you know too like i feel like everybody like is I feel like too, like I would want to ask, like, is that what you want to happen? Yeah. Yes. And I feel like too, like that's like an answer that like, 
you know, like the people who believe in God, like want to go to heaven. Cause like, they like, it's a, like an idea that like they think of. Yeah. Um, and I think like, you know, but yeah, reading up on like what people think happens is just, I don't know. It's trippy. I think, you know, if people who are Christian and I was raised in a Catholic environment and, you know, I, I was around a lot of born again Christians, what, always trip me out about the born again Christians specifically is they radicalize just like uh, most Muslims that I've known throughout my lifetime were not radicalized, but the ones who do radicalize it's, it's the same thing. What I believe is the only belief and everyone else is going to hell and deserve to die. And they're this and they're that. And it's so it runs so counter to the original message that it actually makes them antithetical to the ethos. Christ would not like born again Christians. Period. Because they run counter to the message, the message being turn the other cheek, love thy neighbor. Um, you know, I'm not going to I'm not hanging out with the the Pharisees and and you know the money changers in the temple. I'm with the prostitutes and you know the lepers and the people who need fellowship and love which was the whole thrust of the christ story where do you find that amongst radicalized christians you don't that's nope. the part that there's no there's no talking to them like that's yeah it's it's their way or the highway um i mean like i haven't met that many born again christians the only born again christian that i really knew was like my dad yeah. um but like yeah like it's i don't know that shit is just it's insane and like it's crazy like listening to somebody who like is a christian like who would talk to like my grandmother you know very differently and she was a methodist and like you know her beliefs completely different than his oh yeah um and it's just uh i don't know like it's just it's crazy like finding like so much like especially from like born and christians like at least from my perspective, like there was just like a lot of animosity toward, you know, everybody. And yeah. it's just like, Oh my God. Like, I don't know. It just, yeah. I feel like that's, you nailed it. Like, it's just like completely like the opposite of like what it, it should be. One of my best friends, best, best friends uh, is a born again Christian. And she not like that at all. Every, according to her, and she's in she's in a, a very important uh, post punk band from the '90s. Uh, Lycia, Tara is her name. And you know, according to her, as long as you're not like a a, a child molester, or like a horrible person, guess what? You're going to be all right. And to me, that that is what I gleaned from my you know. I was an altar boy. I went to Catholic school. I was raised Catholic 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 and we got the same message apparently tara and i as long as you're not a douchebag you're gonna be okay <laughs> you know and and to me that's like, hope. well what would you rather you know who would you rather join if you're doing a and r for religion someone who's like hey man you're gonna be all right just don't be a dick and that was like the ultimate message of the christ figure don't be a dick you'll be all right <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
I, I don't understand how anyone gets radicalized in anything politically, religiously, emotionally. Uh, being radical is so, it's so stringent and so rigid. I mean, like, I can't speak to everybody, but like, you know, my dad been battled with like a lot of mental illness and like, you know, yeah. there's things like that too, that play along to it of just like, too, like, like you said, like feelings of loneliness and like wanting to connect with something and like finding like, you know, everybody thinks about what their purpose in life is. And like, you know, religion gives somebody like such, some like such purpose, um, yeah. you know, and it can be like, you know, really whatever you want it to be. And so does somebody like to take it like that far, you know, it's just like, I don't know, they think that they're doing it like, but it just like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's like for me, like it was just rooted in like a lot of like sickness yeah. too. And it's like, like, damn, like that's not how it should be at all. Like my dad got kicked out of churches for being like extreme. Um, yeah. So like there's shit like, it's just like, that's so like, like come the fuck on dude. Like shit. Like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you're like, yeah. Are you fucking serious? Like, I don't know. Like that to me is just like, like I, you know, I have a million fucking stories like that, but like, it's just like, holy shit, you know? Um, and for me, like in my perspective, it was just rooted in like, like my dad was sick, you know? Yeah. And like, that's like, um, that's like way different than like, um, somebody who like, you know, I think has like a good head on their shoulders and like, is like mentally stable. Um, I don't, I don't think people go in that direction. Like there's that, de there's definitely like something off, um, when you're just like hyper extreme, um, really about like anything. Like, it's just like, eh, well, like, it's, in it's indicative of someone with, with a, a, a weak cause. If you need to not only try and try to indoctrinate everyone around you to your mode of thinking, but also, uh, alienate everyone who doesn't to me that smacks of 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 something that's toxic like uh growing up in this area in the punk rock scene uh there was a lot of nazis and their whole mo was to indoctrinate and to you know try and suck in the weakest and the most mentally unhinged of everyone that was around them and everyone who didn't buy into their bullshit, there was violence and there was there was uh, a kicking against the pricks type of scenario. That's indicative of a weak cause. You know, if you have something good and it's universally good, everyone's going to want it. They'll come to you. You don't have to proselytize to it. I think your dad and and you know my I have an ex girlfriend whose mother was a radical born again Christian. She told me my mother was going to hell because she was Catholic. Yep. Like, come on, really? Is yep. that is that really like your answer right now? <laughs> I mean, that was like, yeah, an answer to like a lot of things for those types of people. That that had to take a toll on his relationship with your mother and everything, really. Yeah. <laughs> How's yep. your relationship with him now? In in the uh, my father's passed away. <laughs> oh, I, oh, okay. Yep. My father is too. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, um, 
but yeah i mean like that shit definitely like affected like you know my whole life um and like still affects like my whole life and i think like that's like something that like you know i think that's like why i feel like too like i am the person i am today of just like like that stuff that i just realized like i just didn't want to be a part of at all um and like rejecting like i grew up in a really conservative household so it's like um you know i think that's like why i gravitated toward like punk rock music and like mm -hmm. trying to like do stuff that was like outside of the norm like i don't know like my hair is long cause I, now because i like never got to grow it out and like i'm like i gotta grow it out once yeah um, and like i think too like yeah like just gravitating towards stuff that like you don't see all the time like um that's stuff that like at a young age got me excited like seeing people with tattoos like i'm super into tattoos now too and like mm -hmm. um just like all like this like count like subcultures that like go along with that too i think like was just like an idea for me to just like go like the other way and i won't say that i'm like super extreme or anything like that but like um yeah like it's just like i don't know it makes you that to me like is something that has just pushed like religion like so fucking far away from me um that i just like don't want like anything to do with it and i think like i won't say that i like look at religion with like animosity you know like i know that like my experience with religion is my own and like you know the people like my experience with like born again christianity is obviously <laughs> like you know that's one thing but i won't say too like my grandmother was christian like that's fine i don't care you know what people believe in um but i think like for me like that just made me like reject it like a lot and i think like like that like yeah i don't know it just made me want to go the other way and i think for like a lot of people when like they have similar experiences it's like Oh yeah, I just like want to get like the fuck away from that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that makes its way into the music too, though. I mean, for all of the, you know, obvious heartache that that would instill within you as a, as a human being, as a, a sensitive and young human being, when you were first experiencing it, it's going to make its way into the music, and it's going to inform the tone and 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 the lyrics and the overall oeuvre of the music i don't see what you're doing though as being reactionary affected yes reactionary absolutely not i i think experiences like that if you're a thoughtful person can make you almost more forgiving and sensitive to the infirmities of of other people you know i don't i don't know if that's how you feel but that's kind of what i'm gleaning from all of this i mean yeah like i said like you definitely take from it like how how it impacts you like you know i realized that like i don't want to treat people like that um and like for me like you know things that are like like somebody yelling like at me is like very triggering for me i'm just like yo i, don't, I do not fuck with that so like you know there's things like that where i'm like i'm never gonna yell at you you know <laughs> shit like that like i will never get to that level and i think like there's like things that yeah like it taught me like a lot about like who i would who i wanted to be how i wanted to treat people you know how i felt about like religion and like you know just treating people like the right way and speaking to people in like certain manners and i think just like there's a lot like i said like this maybe just want to like reject a lot of that and be like very 
separate from it. And obviously like I am like my own person, but also at the same time, like, you know, that shit's in my blood. Um, and it's stuff that like, you know, nobody can ever take away like the experiences that like I had. Um, and so I think, yeah, like the fact that like our band does sound like this and does have like a somberness of the, at least the stuff that like I write, like that's just who I am as a person. And Anthony's stuff is going to be completely different. And Billy Corgan's stuff is going to be completely different. Like that's why it sounds the way it does is because like, it's all based on like your experiences. Um, but I think, and I think too, that's why I said, like, I gravitate toward like, always gravitated toward like somber stuff and why it connects with me like on like a deep level like i really fuck with lyrics that um like just make me feel like i don't know like just feeling like you know you're not the only person like out there it sounds a little cheesy but just like no um, it doesn't. but just like you know just being like oh shit like um I don't know, like some, even something like as like simple as like, or kind of like stupid, like example, like using like void by like red house painters, like fill yeah. the void in me now, like, fuck dude, like that's so emo, but like, and it's like kind of like, you kind of like tongue in cheek or like, okay, that's a little like on the nose or even like stuff like jawbreaker, you know, like jawbreakers lyrics, like to me, like those, like Blake is such a fucking good lyricist, yeah. but also like reading the lyrics, you know like you look at like certain songs and you're like wait like the fucking bridge is him screaming i miss you yeah like come on like you have a song called like do you still hate me like you know <laughs> stuff like that where you're like okay like that shit has like that's the shit that like i always really fuck with where it's like just like it's honest it's like it's um and it's and it's relatable like yeah. um and i think like that's yeah it, it just it's it's like familiar too it's just like i don't know but also like doing stuff that feels like i don't know like saying stuff that like people feel in like a unique way um and sometimes just saying shit that like everybody thinks but actually just saying it yeah. you know um i think like that's the stuff that i really like that i like but also like getting interested in like more unique storytelling too of like like a band like drug church, like their lyrics are fucking super crazy. Interesting. Oh, so and, good. And like going into like really different worlds. So it's like being like inspired by stuff like that and being inspired by like really straightforward, honest stuff too. And trying to like, kind of like combine the two. But the, um, like when I think of drug church lyrics, like, well, aren't you just the Aleister Crowley of bad neighborhoods? <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> like that to me that is someone who understands that people can very well suck but you're laughing at it and you're having fun with it and you're not letting it fuck your life up you know you're just calling somebody out for being up their own ass that's that's the way i read that i think what resonated with me lyrically about plight is just the things i'd said before there's a a yearning for something, but there's also, you know, like recognizing that everything's fucked up and you just have to kind of find your own way through it. It's not woe is me. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I appreciate that was a that. conscious decision. I appreciate that because like anybody could, you know, just write 10 songs about how they're miserable and there's no way out the end. 
we've heard that what's the interesting story is always how the person gets out of their situation how surviving ultimately occurs and 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 that there is life on the other side of whatever you're dealing with myself as much as i love and miss my late father he was a vietnam veteran and he was he was a little crazy um you know growing up with someone who you know a father figure who was not a constant you know i was actually more of a an adult at times at, at age 12 or 13 than he was it gives you an interesting uh you know kind of outlook on life and and wouldn't you like to hear how someone like that succeeds rather than wallows in their own self-pity and and complains about what they went through to me it's it's you know that's the person you want to hear from the person who who rose above everything and that's that's what's cool about about this whole record this whole situation with this record it's it's not it's not crying in its pillow and that's not to take away from you know bands that write lyrics that are very <laughs> specifically that because i like a lot of those records but i want to hear about the person who transcends mm -hmm. and you know even with your vocal approach you're not out there like Wah! You don't, you don't have to, because what you're saying has impact and, and you're delivering in such a way that it's, it's tuneful and melodic, but it's very much like to the point, uh, you're not beating around the bush. It, it's delivered very like out front. There's no mumbling. There's no theatrics. It's just this is what it is and it's audible and it's it's mellifluous in its way i want to hear that I, I want someone to just tell it like it is and i i did kind of want to ask you like your vocal delivery what was kind of you know what were you reaching for with that or did it just come naturally like this is how i want to present definitely did not come naturally in that regard um i think like the first couple of years that plight was banned i was actually taking vocal lessons and as you can probably hear on the first like linger et demo whatever the hell you want to call it like yeah. i sing way more baritone than i do on plastic sun mm -hmm. um and plastic sun i think like was finding like my own unique voice because i was trained by like people who were like teaching people on like broadway so it was definitely like stuff like that was like you know teaching me like okay well like your voice kind of lies here but like i think listening to bands that like we like i really like tenor singers mm -hmm. um like i was obsessed you know from like a young age to now like i was obsessed with circus survive when i was like in eighth grade oh god um Rube, just like, brilliant brilliant like june turner was like my favorite record for like Mine the longest too. time um and then like jamie from title fight like the first couple title fight records like the last thing you forget and like shed like you know the his voice on those like especially like is just so fucking sick um and then like yeah deftones like a big influence like on um the delivery for like this one and like just different bands that i feel like we were influenced from at the time um from like stuff like brand new was like a big influence too just like kind of mm -hmm. just like 
having stuff that sounds like we like i said like we were so meticulous like going over everything it was like be sadder when you like say that lyric yeah. um or like say it like this and um yeah i think like we were just listening to like a lot of different things and like wanted to have something that like expressed emotion and felt honest in a way um like but we were all like like everybody was on my vocals like all right like it needs to be like this and everybody has different ideas and i think like we really found something that i think works like i think my voice for this record fits like way better with the music than having something that's like oh like all in the back you know low 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 like yeah i can do that stuff that's fine but um i think like having something that it cuts through a little bit more and i think it has like a little bit more emotion into it and doesn't feel yeah like so it's like somber and what was me kind of shit yeah um and so i think like this record too is just like really like us as a whole like finding like what we want to do as a band like and i won't say that we got there you know but i think like it's way more of like okay like this is coming together way more um you know we're figuring out who we want to be um from top to bottom and i think like you know our next release will really just be the continuation on that and just kind of honing in on all of that I think there's going to be, uh, I think there's going to be a, a renaissance of something like this too, where, you know, bands are, 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 they're not going to try to like pull so many punches with, with their vocal deliveries where like, as much as I love bands that go way out there and get really spastic, that's fun. I dig the shit out of it. But if you want to get a point across, you just say it, right? You just sing it. You just present it as the content dictates. That's what cut through for you. And the fact that you were singing in your register, your speaking register, uh, I mean, and the projection is there. And I'm sure taking vocal lessons really taught you a lot about projecting and, and enunciating but there's a command to it that I think is is what maybe the lay person would miss. There's a there's a severe command of of your own voice on this record that wasn't present on the EP. Do you think that you know this is this is pinnacle for you? Like is is this where you're comfortable vocally? I'm definitely comfortable um, in some regards, but like, you know, there's always room for growth. Like, you know, I could always be a better vocalist. Like, you know, I could take a million vocal lessons and like, I would love to learn how to do like a million different things like vocally um, and do them like well with confidence. Cause I think like, that's like the other thing. Like when I started off playing music, like I didn't know what the fuck I was doing <laughs> and like, um, getting more confident at your, in your instrument, whether it's like, vocals or guitar or like what have you you know you're able to do more things um and i think too like um with alden our new bass player too like he's singing live and um when we first started off like anthony our guitar player was singing and when we recorded the ep um we were like ah, i don't know like maybe it's just better if i do it so then i kind of took on vocal duties 
our old bass player was doing vocal duties, but then like wasn't really doing them. So I think now too, like we're, and I'm like, we're way more influenced by vocal stuff. Like um, we talked about clarity, like Jimmy World's, you know, vocal melodies, like especially like on clarity and like static prevails mm. are so fucking good, especially like certain songs. Um, and like, I love the shit that they do. Um, and I think, you know, thinking about like parts like that um, and like being influenced by bands like Title Fight and think and seeing bands live and being like, damn, a band with like good background vocals, like it makes like a huge fucking difference. Yeah. Um, and so I think and you can do so much more cool shit with that. And there's also stuff that like I do on the record that like I could never perform live. Um, just like, you know, you listen to the end of Reverie, like the bridge yeah. there. Like I can't sing that live because it's like too fast, and like each line f goes from the next one. So the way that we do that live is we have Alden and Anthony like help out with stuff like that. You would and, like, have to, yeah, and like different parts, like we're able to like add thickness and stuff. So I think there's other stuff that like comes into play too. So it, it, to kind of round out the episode, if if you were to explain to someone who'd never heard plight before if they would ask what kind of what kind of music do you play how would you approach that how would you explain that? <clears throat> excuse me i've not been feeling well how would you explain that to someone going in cold uh i mean you try to find like a baseline understanding of what kind of music they listen to you sure. know like that's always like the hard one and i think it's always difficult to like try to pinpoint what the fuck my band sounds like because like that's impossible um especially like when i'm yeah, like i don't mean to sound this like in like a way that i feel like we're reinventing the wheel or anything but like yeah we are trying to consciously like not be like this band we're not trying to be a hum we're not trying to be smashing pumpkins we're not trying to be jawbreaker um we're influenced by all that so i think like it's easy to just like be like oh like 90s sound like that always comes up for us mm -hmm. um and i think like we have like something that's like i think we're unique but familiar I think there's something that like you can hear in like a lot of this stuff. I think, you know, we have slowcore elements, we have shoegaze elements, we have emo elements, like, but we're not just like that one thing. And I think like if you can find to like, you know, if I'm talking to like a normie, you know, like who doesn't know fucking shit about music, like I'll be like, oh, you know Nirvana, like kind of yeah, like that. Yeah. You know the pixies. Um, <laughs> yeah, like sometimes I'll tell people like um oh like you know jimmy world like we're like that but like like if jimmy world was like a little heavier like yeah. i don't know but like i think too like if you're if i'm talking to somebody like you know who's kind of like in the scene and shit that like who knows like about the same bands that like i like you know i'm just gonna just not try to like name drop bands of like stuff like that i'd more just like talk about like my influences um but and what was really influencing us like on that record. And I think like, or like that's, you know, right now. And I think like when I was writing that record, yeah, it was a mix of like older artists, um, like Duster and Hum and, um, you know, shit. And like Galaxy 500, like we have a song called Bedhead. Like we yeah. fucking love Bedhead um, and shit like that. Um, but then it's also like listening to like more contemporary bands like Cloakroom and Title Fight, 
um, and drug church and narrowhead and like, and nothing and shit like that. And like, it's like, I think if like you think of like contemporary and if you contemporary bands like that, and if you know nineties bands like that, I think we kind of fit within that sound, but I think it's not like you can be like, Oh, like that band sounds exactly like this or like even stuff that sounds similar, you know, like, I don't think we sound like Narrowhead, for example, I think it's like a band that you can just be like, yeah, they sound a lot like this. Like yeah. Narrowhead was like, oh, like when I first heard them, it was like, oh, they're like a heavier, like super heaven. Yeah. Or they sound like, or like to me, like their new album is like, sounds like very Deftones-y. Mm. And it's easier for me to like pinpoint that. I think like with my band, especially since I'm like too close to it, you know? Um, but yeah, I think to just trying to like, draw from like a bunch of different stuff it's like oh yeah like you may hear like you know i hope people i think people have heard the stuff we're influenced by um some people have said we sound like different stuff but then you hear some people like name drop bands and it's just like i don't know what the hell how you saw that one but um but yeah i think like if i was to describe it it'd be like unique but familiar um and just kind of figure out what kind of bands they like and kind of just kind of go in that scene you know that could be such a a daunting question too because having played in as many bands as i've played in i always defaulted to uh it's punk rock oh yeah i'll I'll say i'll I'll say we're alternative rock yeah yeah and 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 that blankets so much but uh, how do you how do you intellectualize something so ethereal it's impossible but I think what your strengths are are what makes you indescribable to the normie, to someone who's uninitiated, to someone who, you know, would potentially really like it but not have a context for it. And being that intangible is a strength, and I applaud it, and I'm glad you are. In closing... As I said earlier in the podcast, this this record has kind of consumed a, a big chunk of, of my listening time. And I want to thank you for it because I my ears are always to what's new, what's next. I'm not, like I'd said, one of the old heads that just stays in my lane and, and is comfortable there because it's boring and I would be miserable. I would rather find something new to be excited about and I just want to thank you for giving me something to be excited about again. <laughs> well, honestly, like, thank you so much for listening. Um, it means a lot that like you were able to like, honestly, like that we even reached you, you mm-hmm. know, I think like just reaching somebody that's like outside of honestly, just like our friends and family is like a big one. Um, and we're really glad that you like it. Um, I'm like, I'm so happy that you enjoy the record. I think we put a lot of time into it um, and effort into it and we're proud of the record. And so, yeah, like that's like the nicest thing that like anybody can say, like, thank you so much for, for appreciating it. And like, honestly, like giving us like any sort of attention, like whatsoever, like um, I'm really happy to hear you say that. Um, and I'm sure the rest of the band will be too. Awesome. Um, so when the next record hits, will you come back and talk to me again? Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. This was great. It was like, it's way less of an interview, you know, more of a conversation, which is definitely the vibe. 
I, I hate interviews. So <laughs> when I have someone on, I, I, I get to know them. It's like we're in a bar getting to know each other and let the chips fall where they may. So thank you for being an interesting and open uh, interview. <laughs> of course. Thanks so much, Peter. I really appreciate it. All right, my friend. You have a great night. Yeah, you too. Take care. Take care of yourself. What else could I really say, folks? Incredible discussion with an interesting, intelligent, and gifted young man with so much to offer musically, intellectually, and spiritually. I so love this record. Do yourself a favor. Wherever you stream music, head there right now. Listen to Plastic Sun by Plight and allow it to affect you. And if it does, which I believe it certainly will, then you head over to a la carte records website and purchase it on vinyl or CD, I guess, if that's what you're into, but buy the record. Listen to it the right way, the proper way. He's been Matt of Plight. I've been Peter of this podcast. You've been beautiful. And this has been the book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. Take care of each other, everyone. Bless you and good night. This has been a 3.33 a.m. production. <laughs>